Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online, just not always on time. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Agroni, film editor for InBetweenDrafts.com, and ho, 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 from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's a freelance film writer, and, you know, he he is, uh, in my mind, dressed as Santa Claus because we didn't do a Christmas thing, so this <laughs> is me doing that. Uh, Will Ashton. Hey, John, nice to meet you. <laughs> it's been that long. Um, Will, we should explain to the listeners the biggest gap in Cinemaholics release yeah. history. I, I think, okay, first of all, we are reaching our seventh anniversary. And in all that time, I don't think we've ever missed more than a week. We may have only missed a week once, maybe twice, in seven years. Yeah, it's been, I would say, uh, maybe there's been like a week or two gap, like here and there. But like it's few and far between. Like it's very rare. Like I think the first time it happened was like 2019, uh, and that was like during Christmas. And then like maybe it happened again at some point during the pandemic. But like we've been pretty good about keeping you know regimented yeah. to the the schedule, not to our own horns or anything. Yeah, like even when I like disappear, I go to other and I like travel or something. I usually like schedule things ahead of time, but uh, or you do something, you record something and, and put it out. So. The very rare occurrence, but we should probably like, probably explain why. Um, it's a twofold reason, and this was brought up in the In Between Drafts Discord. Where if you want to hang out with other Cinemaholics listeners and fans of In Between Drafts, you should check out the Discord link in the show notes. But it's a twofold reason. Uh, the first one is, and just as a reminder, the last episode we recorded was Wish which came out over Thanksgiving. So like, and we put that episode out late. So it's been over a month. It's been, I want to say five weeks, maybe over five weeks since we put out an episode. And that was the last one. Uh, Something happened to your laptop and uh, we were not able to record episodes. Well, I don't know if it it like happened over the month. It was just more, I think as listeners know, uh, at some point this past summer, my laptop, uh, which is very old, over a decade, older than the podcast, uh, just kind of decided not to host the service that we use to record these Riverside. And so I've been kind of just trying to like, I mean, John knows this. I've been not trying to like keep the listeners in on all the drama, but I've been like using other people's laptops. I've been using yeah. my phone. I've been like using my roommate's computer. Like I've been trying to do everything I can to keep that schedule and obviously uh and unfortunately the audio has often suffered for that reason but you know i it more in terms of uh kind of keeping the regimented schedule but uh yeah i think we just both kind of agreed that like uh, the holidays were coming up i knew i was gonna get uh, a new laptop soon uh and rather than just kind of put out uh lesser quality episodes in terms of the audio quality uh i just kind of went i figured it would be better just to wait uh, until like I could get uh, new equipment and just kind of record. Obviously, it's still growing pains because uh, as we were getting ready to record this episode, we found out that like my mic setup isn't quite uh, <laughs> yeah. compatible to my uh, <laughs> laptop. But very soon, hopefully, we'll have a, a functioning audio quality on my end. And obviously, that's been, I think, an issue throughout uh, my uh, tenure on this podcast. I feel like the time I'll have absolutely perfect, pristine audio 
that'll just be when the show is ending. That's like when the the end ties are near <laughs> yeah, uh, right. for Cinemaholics. But um, and yeah, there's, unfortunately, there's yeah. more to this too, because you know, like you said, we have been putting out episodes where you just like record your phone and stuff. But yeah, one of the other reasons that it it, it takes a lot longer to edit these episodes when you use the phone um, because the background noise and everything like that. And not to get too like into the weeds with the listeners, I don't want to share every detail of my my professional life, but this has been the the busiest season of my life in, in years. Uh, late nights, early mornings, it just had no free time. Um, not really going to screenings. I didn't watch a lot of movies, and uh, you know I tried to, you know, I, here and there, but it just came to a certain point where like we also like, I was like, I don't have time to edit these episodes if we're doing like with the phone. So like you were saying, like we kept being like, well, we want to get the right audio quality. Like, and we kept trying to like work it out to the, the new laptop. But then, you know, you were, you're also like a very busy season. So it was just like our schedules took one look at each other and they were like, wait till January guys. Like, you know, yeah. they made the decision for us. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have been able to see some films. I've been trying to catch up, uh, the past few weeks, which hopefully we'll discuss. You've seen way more uh, than me. Uh, but you've been catching up on stuff too. I don't want to, you know, make it seem like you're not watching stuff. You mean because of your critic circles and all the lottie dotty fancy stuff that you have, uh, access to, you have been able to catch stuff. Some stuff I haven't even had a chance, uh, to watch it, unfortunately, either do the access or time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was, uh, uh, you know, just time for us to kind of, you know, do a little year end catch up. Obviously we're going to probably do something a little bit more expansive when we do our, uh, end of the year, like top right. 10 episode but this is kind of more of just like a general like we've seen these movies uh here's some mostly december movies that we saw maybe some november ones as well that we we watched we didn't really get to discuss in depth right. uh in this uh show and we probably won't even be talking about them in depth in this episode but <laughs> yeah we're gonna uh, we're, we're gonna kind of fly through it and it, yeah like you said it's a bit of a catch-up and because another one of the reasons we weren't able to record in december is i was out of town for much of it uh starting like december 21st i went to a wedding in houston and then i was in thailand i was in taiwan i i got covid for the first time while in thailand and so my voice sounds it probably sounds like a little bit hoarse i'm still kind of recovering and i might cough so you might hear some stuff but uh, so please bear with me, but literally just flew back from Taiwan a couple days ago. So, and, uh, I, and like you said, yeah, I, well, I managed to catch up on things and watch certain things, but I've been out of the loop. I haven't, I haven't been recording a lot of podcasts, still recording rookie pirate radio, but, uh, mad men, men also had to take a break as well. So yeah, it's been, it's been a busy season, but I'm excited to do this because I, my idea for this that I pitched to you was like, let's just go through the list. Like, let's go down the notable releases, the things that have been coming out and give a little bit quick of a rundown on, did we watch them? Do we have anything to say about them? And and like you said, we a lot of this stuff, we're probably going to go into way more detail for, you know, our upcoming best films of the year episode, which is always, you know, almost always like our biggest episode of the year. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that. I think we'll probably do that the next week or so, because January is kind of a bit of a bit of a dead zone for releases. I, I, um, we might bring up a couple of things that have come out recently. I wasn't expecting that you and I were going to talk about like the beekeeper, for example, <laughs> or night swim or anything, but it is award season. So like that is the sort of the main focus right now for folks who uh, want to go to the, the cinema and catch up. I mean, not to presume, but I kind of figured the next couple of weeks after this would be like a poor things review and then our end of the year thing. Cause I figure you've been mm. kind of chopping at the bit to do an actual just conversation. On, on well, I mean, that's things. the thing. 
I kind of want to see what happens in this episode, like see how this goes. We'll see like if we need to do a poor things or a maestro or holdovers, well, what have you. I mean, I'll just say up front, I haven't seen poor things yet, so we can't really, I can't oh, discuss it. That's true. That's why I wanted to. That's when why do I was, you see poor things? Uh, hopefully soon. I'm reading the book actually right now. Uh, and I was oh, wow. going to finish the book and then watch the movie. So probably sometime in the next week. But that's why I was saying we, we, we and also I just figured you wanted to do because I thought about seeing it today, but I knew you would probably just want to do like a full conversation. You didn't want to do like a clip like I liked it. Well, I liked it. You know, I, I like how we're, we're doing all this planning like on the air, but, yeah. which I appreciate. I think that it adds a little bit of a flavor. Well, I mean, honestly, I haven't really gotten to talk to you much like podcasts yeah. or not. You know, you've been out and about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, that was just what I was thinking. I mean, we could kind of see where this conversation goes and play it by ear. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure Live. it out. We'll figure it out in post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's just, do it. let's get into it. Let's start. Let's talk about some movies. I'm excited. Okay. We are, we're going to start with some stuff that did, as you already kind of alluded to come out in November and expanded over time. Uh, first thing I wanted to bring up here was Priscilla. Priscilla is something that we have talked about, uh, or mentioned that we'd like to discuss, I still haven't seen Priscilla. This is the Sofia Coppola film that uh, stars, who does it star? Kaylee Spaney has some awards attention. And uh, I heard it's good. Jacob Elordi is in it. I do want to see it. I have the screener literally right next to me on my desk. It's it's on the docket. Nice. Yeah, I have seen Priscilla and I think it's a good film. Uh, yeah, I, I would say currently, I would probably put it in my top 30 for the year. I don't know. I don't think it's like quite uh top 20 yet i'll probably mention like my honorable mentions for the end of the year uh i think it's just sofia coppola doing what she does best it's like very you know soft but unafraid to really explore the complexities uh and you know sensitivities of femininity and particularly this kind of uh you know really just complicated marriage and relationship between priscilla and elvis presley and uh i mean i have some issues with the ending of the film which i would be happy to discuss with you once you see it just because I, I feel like it doesn't quite serve the narrative as much because it's probably more in the interest of uh, Priscilla who was an executive producer on the film. And I feel like it doesn't, uh, it just didn't hit quite the note I, I thought it needed to, to really stick the landing. But uh, yeah, by and large, uh, I think it's really accomplished, really well done. Sofia Coppola doing what she does best. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good definitely stuff. one of those yeah. those movies. I'm sad that we didn't do because I would have loved to do a whole Sofia Coppola breakdown. Yeah, right? yeah. Because I I haven't seen every single one of her movies. I've seen almost all of them, and I think the only one I haven't seen is uh, Somewhere. Um, okay. But unless Somewhere is a lot better than I realize, I think she peaked with Lost in Translation, and I haven't loved any of her stuff since. But uh, I I, I, think, I don't think I dislike or actively dislike any of her movies. I mean, I love her first three films, uh, and then I kind of have mixed feelings on like bling ring and somewhere uh i think you know i, I i've enjoyed the more recent stuff with the beguiled and on the rocks uh, and okay. but uh yeah i mean i think for me those first three films are are dynamite uh and i think exactly uh yeah i mean if this one's not on that level it, it's i think closer than she's gotten in uh at least the last few years so uh yeah i, I definitely would recommend that one when you get a chance to check it out Next one here I have. This also opened in November, expanded a little bit more. Uh, All Dirt Road's Taste of Salt. 
Uh, this is uh, Barry Jenkins produced, and uh, I think it's a debut um, from, uh, look up the director here because I forget. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, yeah, Raven Jackson. That's right. Um, she's done some short films. Have you seen this one? Uh, fortunately not yet. I know it just got on uh, digital, like you can rent it. Now, uh, yeah, um, I was planning to watch it before our end of the year. So I know, I think it's you're good. really high on it. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's, it's, and it, I think you would like it. I think you would appreciate it more than you like it. It is a poetry film, so it doesn't have a very set form or structure. Yeah. It's more experimental. I um, heard a uh, tone poem was a. Uh, yeah. The phrase being thrown about, yeah. Vibes. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I appreciated it. I think watching in the theater is the best way to watch it uh, for that reason. Um, but still worth checking out because it's a promising debut from a promising filmmaker. And I can see why Jenkins, uh, you know, put his uh, money behind it because uh, it definitely showcases some good performances too. Uh, Moses Ingram and Charlene McClure, among others. Uh, next movie here, Fingernails. Uh, I got the screener for this ages oh, wow. ago and I, I never saw it. I, I, I heard it was not great. Uh, it's uh, funny you mentioned just uh, sad. Uh, Jesse Buckley is probably my best friend, the best friend I have who I haven't met. It's funny you mentioned that because I literally just threw that on today. Like, ah. uh, um, I just because I, I saw a list on uh, on Twitter that had in top 10. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that movie because that's the guy that did. Um, it's like Yorgos Lanthimos's uh, former AD, I believe. He this did, is Christos Niku, yeah, uh, Greek he, filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah, he did Apples, which I thought was a, a really solid debut. That, that was, was like his the first, first film. He, uh, he did some shorts as well. Yeah, that was like uh, that was one of the ones that I was lucky enough to see uh, at Virtual TIFF back in 2020. Ah. Uh, and I've been really curious to see what he does next. And yeah, I'm only about like, I want to say like 10 or 15 minutes into it so far. So really don't on, have... uh, Apple TV Plus. Yeah, I have a screener for it uh, uh, through Apple. But um, yeah. yeah, it's. Another thing that's like, I don't want to give away the premise because I didn't know anything about it going into it, but he's really good at exploring like these sort of light sci-fi uh, concepts, but through like loneliness and alienation and the kind of pursuit of like interconnectedness and love uh, in both these films. And I don't know if this one, just based on what I've seen, is as effective as Apple's, but I'm willing to explore. It's really interesting so far. So I like that it, uh, it, his first movie was Apple's, and then he did a movie with Apple TV. Yeah, yeah they, they saw <laughs> he saw his first movie was Apple's. Like, oh, this guy knows a thing he or knows two his about way around a, yeah. an Apple. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. knows his way around the fruit basket. If you know, what I mean, I mean, yeah, right. Um, cast also includes uh, so I mentioned Jesse Buckley, uh, Riz Ahmed, Jeremy Allen White, who's a, on a bit of a tear, uh, Luke Wilson, and uh, Annie Murphy. And so, yeah, that's uh, fingernails. It's on Apple TV Plus. Next thing I have here, uh, Nyad on Netflix. Uh, I think it's like a swimmer kind of movie, and I think it's it should be on Netflix now. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. This is one of those movies. I'm assuming, just kind of based on the early Oscar buzz, it's probably going to get nominated for something. Whether it's it like has best... like one nomination on Critics Choice. So, and and I should mention uh, as we record this, I'm going to be voting for Critics Choice. This uh, literally in the next like 12 hours, I'm going to finalize everything. So, uh, th- I think this had one nomination for I want to say Annette Benning, maybe I don't remember. Yeah, and I think Jodie Foster, who uh, is in, is like the co lead, is getting like some best mm-hmm. supporting actress uh, consideration. Uh, this is one of those movies I'm not planning to catch up for, on it for my end of the year list, but. I'm assuming it's going to get nominated for an Oscar and I've been for the last couple of years trying to catch all the movies that are nominated just because yeah. 
it's fun. I need something to fulfill my life. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll probably watch it like in February or something. But I've heard kind of mixed things about this one. Uh, and I've heard the, the story is kind of in doubt. Like apparently uh, Naya, or, or the main subject, is like a, a prolific liar. And there's like a big article, I think. In yeah, Decider Diana that, Nyad, a, yeah. who's like a world-class swimmer. And this is sort of like a, a story about like something that happened with her later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she did uh, the 110-mile trek from Cuba to Florida. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, it just kind of sounds like the story outside of the film is maybe a little bit more interesting than the film itself. But uh, I haven't seen the film, so I can't comment on it. Um, and uh, this is from Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai, Vasaharla Lely. They did the movies like Free Solo as uh, one of their big ones. They also did Wildlife. Um, yeah. So, and I think this is, oh, yeah, this is their first narrative film. They've, they've only done docs before. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, that one you can uh, check out on Netflix now. All right, next up. And uh, this one, I, I don't know as much about. I know Coleman Domingo is in this and he has a Critics' Choice nomination for it. Rustin. Um, I really don't know much Oh, about it. Uh, but, was, uh, Coleman Domingo plays Baird Rustin. That was a film here in Pittsburgh, I know. Uh, it's from the director of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. By, or no, sorry, I think it's from the producers. This is uh, George C. Wolfe. Um, yeah, who, yeah. Uh, so did Nights in uh, Rodanthe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, he did do... Uh, he did do Ma Rainey's Black yeah, Bottom. Yeah, that's what You're I thought, right. yeah. And uh, yeah, this is about uh, Baird Rustin, who, for folks who don't know, he was the architect of the March on Washington in 1963. Um... Yeah, so I actually saw uh, The Color Purple today, the new one, and mm-hmm. Coleman Domingo's in that, and it's one of those things where, like, I, I, I have sort of mixed feelings on the film itself. I think it's fine. I, I think it's kind of a weird project. Rustin like, weird. or Ma Rainey's? Uh, no, I'm actually talking about The Color Purple. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Well, we're I not was, on that one yet. I know, but uh, I was leading up to, what I was going to say is I was uh, I was thinking about Coleman Domingo, like, towards the end of the film, because he gets a kind of a showy performance uh, more in the second half. Uh, but, um, I was thinking like, man, like this guy's a star. Like, why is he not in more things? And then I remembered like, he's potentially going to get nominated for best actor for this Netflix movie that no one's seen. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't even, th- yeah, I didn't mention this is also a Netflix movie that just kind of dropped unceremoniously in November. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another one where I heard he's fantastic. The movie itself I hear is kind of ho-hum. Uh, yeah, but, this is from Higher Ground Productions, by the way. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. the Obama production. The Obama, company. yeah, yeah. And uh, Chris uh, Rock is also in it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph is also in it, and Jeffrey Wright and Audrey McDonald. I mean, it's an insane cast. Yeah, I mean, some of those people are in the Oscar conversation for other films uh, this year, go, which we'll yeah. probably talk about. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, again, kind of similar to Nyad, I, I probably will watch it if it's nominated for stuff at the Oscars, but. I don't presume it's going to be in my like top 10 or, or vying for my top 10. So I, I probably will wait until next month at the earliest to see this film. Here's a big one. The holdovers. Oh, finally. One of my favorite movies seen. of the year. Me too. Uh, so yeah, this one, this one had like a small rollout in November and it didn't hit like theaters in the Bay area until December. But, uh, if that, if that honestly, um, so I, and I think it, first opened i want to say in october like late october but anyway holdovers alexander Payne. Uh, i think this is like my number two number three movie of the year absolutely adored it i watched this movie in a screener but i desperately wish i could have seen this on uh 
on an actual like movie theater. <laughs> the way I watched this movie too is yeah. I was literally like I had to work late. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it, the time change had happened and I wanted to like screen something because I was so busy and I knew that as soon as I got home, I'd get back to work, but I was waiting for the traffic to die down because it'd be the difference between like an hour and 45 minutes versus like 55 minutes basically. So I went to my local park as the sun was setting and I watched this on my phone, like at the park and it was wonderful like it was such a great atmosphere to watch this movie or like trying to account for you know um how weird everything was uh that night but anyway absolutely david hemmingson uh wrote this movie and it is the uh the paul giamatti movie i think i have been waiting for for a long time i want to say like for years now just because a movie that really showcases the things about him that i love the most you know his character acting and and this is a three three up there are three actors here who really stand out divine joy randolph who we just mentioned and also this young actor i'd never seen before dominic sessa maybe i did see him but i barely no because he's actually um he's a carnegie mellon university uh student not even alum student so this is Uh, his first movie yeah so he's a pittsburgh boy or at least he goes to school here uh i mean what a what a what a introduction to this young actor uh and and and, yeah i mean looking at movies like election sideways descendants Mm -hmm. nebraska some of the best alexander payne movies this is just like i think cementing Payne as like one of the true greats like one of the true modern great directors who probably doesn't get enough credit like people forget (laughs) you know how good he is it's that sort of movie well it's interesting because like since uh i want to say descendants He's been kind of like because there's a aesthetic quality, a kind of prickliness to like Sideways and Election and Citizen Ruth and About Schmidt that kind of defined his style in the 90s and 2000s. And kind of uh, in the decade or two to follow, he's been kind of going for a more sentimental route. Uh, and I feel like it, none of the films outside of Downsizing have been panned or really like bad films per se even downsides i think is interesting like i, I don't still think haven't it fully seen works. it yeah uh, i'd be willing to rewatch it because i think it works up until a point uh and it, it's interesting that he did it but i feel like you know like descendants is pretty good and i like nebraska i've seen it like twice and i feel like i'm always on the verge of loving it but never quite clicks all the way for me oh, i there's... full-on love it yeah okay i full-on love nebraska and the descendants and election like those mm. those three movies and i really really like sideways so like yeah i see I, i'm all about this guy see i love like i mean I, I adore election i really like about schmidt and i really like uh um uh sideways uh, sideways yes Thank yes you. um and speaking of paul Giamatti, you know yeah yeah uh but yeah i feel like he's kind of just been missing that like oomph uh, until this movie, I feel like it's just been that nice blend of the more sentimental side, but that kind of prickly, kind of messy character stuff. And it just kind of harmon, uh, you know, kind of becomes harmonious in this very Hal Ashby tributing sort of way. Uh, and it's one of those films I feel like when you're watching it, like it's good for the jump, but like it just gets better and better yeah. as you're watching it, and like it finds itself along the way, right? It just it, like it. it, it, it perfectly mirrors the journey of the characters in a way that's like so fascinating and just so harmonious. Uh, and so like, as like you're watching up to the end, you're like, yeah, this is one of the best films of the year. And you just grow more and more endeared by it as you're watching it. And uh, yeah, as expected, Paul Giamatti, fantastic. One of his best uh, performances. I really hope he gets some ample awards consideration. I know he already won a golden globe, 
but I, I would love to see him get the Oscar, even though, I mean, this year is going to be a tight best actor race. Uh, I, I would really love to see him, you know, finally get his due with this performance, but I mean, divine, uh, yeah, divine Randolph joy, right? Is that, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's fantastic as well. Uh, and yeah, Dominic Sessa is like, yeah, just such Revelation. a find. Yeah. And I mean, I, I echo the sentiment that I'm sure Timothy Chalamet is going to be fantastic as, uh, uh, Bob Dylan in that new movie, but, I, I think he should be the one that's playing You're Bob sure? Dylan. Yeah. I mean, I think probably, you know, he's good. I, I uh, like Dominic Sessa. I, I, I'm with you. I wish, yeah, Dominic Sessa could absolutely pull off that role, I think. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does next. I'm really, really excited to see uh, what Alexander Payne follows us up with. And more than anything, uh, I'm always just happy to see Paul Giamatti getting some some much deserved love uh and and this movie is uh such a a a masterclass performance from him so i really love this movie as well uh holdovers i think it's it's going to be coming to more bay area theaters uh over the next few days uh right now it's only playing at like one or two and And it uh it is on peacock for people who uh don't have access to see in theaters and uh, and how many people have access to Peacock? That's a question. <laughs> uh, this and also Holdover has made uh, it's number three on the best we the best thirty seven movies of twenty twenty three. Um, on in between drafts, it made number three as uh, and I got to write the blurb for it, which I was very excited about. I said that it's a bittersweet holiday cocktail with one part dead poet society and equal parts it's a wonderful life and honestly anything from Hal Ashby. Um, and I stand by it. Uh, yeah, Holders, check it out. Um, after that, we have, if I can bring it up here now, I think we're still in November. I want to say dream scenario, uh, the, uh, Nicholas cage kind of like high concept mm-hmm. movie. Uh, John Winkler wrote a, a review for this on the site and, uh, he liked it. Didn't love it. Uh, I think Michael Sierra is also in this Julian Nicholson. Uh, this movie looks fun. A 24. It, it, it looks like the kind of thing that I would have watched during COVID when like, when it, like during the pandemic when we just needed something to watch, but nothing's mm-hmm. really compelled me to like drop everything for this one. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I'm, uh, as big a Nicholas cage fan as they come. Mm-hmm. So, and this is obviously a, uh, Charlie Kaufman esque, uh, you know, mind warp. Yep. This is a Christopher comedy. Borgley. Yeah. I love the tagline. Meet the man of your dreams. Perfect. Yeah, no yeah. notes. Uh, yeah. Fantastic premise. Uh, you know, this up and coming. I haven't seen his previous film sick of myself, but I've heard, it's a really great, very, uh, you know, of its, of this time, sort of dark social satire. Uh, yeah, so I was 100% on board with this. And I feel like it's a type of film that should be, like, over the moon, like, top five of the year. And it's good. Like, it's I, I don't do ratings much on Letterboxd anymore. But this is a rare time where I gave it, like, I, I gave this, like, a 3.5 out of 5. Just because, like, I like it, but it's not, like, really, like, deserving of the heart for me. Like, it's good, but never quite reaches the level it should be. Like, Nicolas Cage is totally great. Uh, he really gets to play this part. He, he's really good at playing these sort of nosy, neurotic kind of guys. Like, I feel like people kind of typecast them to be, you know, these sort of broader, you know, bombastic kind of characters. But he can really play a specific type of nebbish guy really well. Uh, and this is a great showcase for that. Um yeah, it just never quite, especially in the third act, it never quite reaches its full potential. And it, and and I feel like as good as the director is about kind of focusing on the sort of, uh, you know, sort of uh, 
nepotistic kind of self-indulgence of uh, our sort of social media age. It, it never, I don't know, I, I feel like the satire in the second half never quite reaches its full rightness in a way that, that left me a little underwhelmed. But it's good. I definitely recommend it. Uh, it was shot in like 16 millimeters, so it looks really cool. Uh, Tim Meadows is also in it, and it always brings a smile to my face. Uh, whenever I get to see him in a movie, because I feel it's they're few and far between. Uh, yeah, it's good. Michael Sayers also in it as well. Um, yeah, I, I recommend it. It's not like a, a priority for me, but if you have the screener, I definitely would recommend watching it. While I was sick with COVID, I watched two Michael Sayers movies. I watched first Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, fun rewatch. Um, and that was because I watched the new anime, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, which is incredible. Absolutely loved it. And perfect companion to the movie um in a, a lot of interesting ways uh, and brilliant like the, what they do with the premise so that's so different uh, and i also watched rewatch super bad which i think my expectations were too high i thought i thought it would hold up better and it holds up fine okay i don't know but anyway michael Sarah, i i think he's, he's a good actor he's a, he's a good comedic actor when mm-hmm. he doesn't super bad is very impressive and uh yeah he better. is a reason i would watch dream scenario I feel like, and he's also a better actor than people give him credit. Like people think yeah. he plays the same kind of parts, and to an extent, yes, he but like did Nick and Nora's Infinite right. Playlist, Youth and Revolt. He just kind of got typecast as like yeah, yeah. nerdy, awkward teen from Juno, right? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's kind of been coming into his own more, like playing kind of different characters of late. I've really been excited to see where he's going. He chews on uh, that Barbie performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as Alan, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said. Uh, dream scenario, good movie. I enjoyed it, but you know, for somebody who was hoping it would be like one of the best of the year, I was more like, yeah, it's kind of similar to John. Good, not great. John mm-hmm. Winkler, I mean, uh, yeah. Another November movie here, Perfect Days. Uh, this came out in some theaters, and uh, Perfect Days, which I've heard nothing but praise. I've heard that this is just one of the best movies of the year. Gotta mm-hmm. see it. Uh, this is Wim Wenders. Uh, he did mm-hmm. Land of Plenty, Million Dollar Hotel, Paris, Texas, Hammond, The American Friend, Palermo Shooting. I mean, so many things. And I, I want to see it. I don't know anything about it. Um, I know that Koji Yakusho is, you know, one of the, like, one of the highlights. Like, so somebody that, uh, this is a neon movie, too. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, He's, like, the actor who has the most buzz right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. I got to see it, uh, at the three rivers film festival. You told uh, me to prioritize it. Yes. I, I think it's one of the year's best films. Uh, if anything, I think it's kind of getting overlooked. Uh, I, I think it's in the conversation for like best international feature at the Oscars, but like, I haven't really seen it on too, too many and the year list, but yeah, Critics I think it's really, has it for okay. a couple things. I think at least uh, one thing. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really beautiful, lyrical film. Uh, I, I really think that if there is more justice in the world that the performance would be uh, getting more awards consideration. Uh, just it's such a like haunting, but also life affirming film that uh, it's just really delicate, really sweet, but never chagrin or, you know, like, uh, you know, too cutesy about it. Uh, it. It just really captures a sense of loneliness and uh, desire and, you know, specific uh specificity and routine but uh in a way that is always kind of captivating and always moving uh yeah i really like this movie a lot i hope you like it too uh yeah I, i'm really i'm hoping it gets a bigger response in this new year because uh i was really uh moved by it and it's one of my favorites for the year so far 
It's a little hard to watch at the moment. Uh, it's only playing in theaters and not a lot of them. Uh, there's no way to stream or rent it yet. But yeah, I hope you're right. And uh, yeah, this is a Cannes film. So it has the buzz. But yeah, we'll see what happens with it as time moves forward, marches on. All right. Uh, next thing here. Let's take a look at this one. Next goal wins. I feel like that deserves a sentence. Uh, that's me giving a big old thumbs down. <laughs> this movie stinks. That's uh, Taika Waititi and uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much I want to say about it. Uh, I mean, I know I've been harsh on Taika Waititi uh, throughout the last few years. It's just because I really do love what we do in the shadows. I haven't watched the show. I'm only talking about the movie. And I really like Boy, uh, Eagle versus Shark, you know, like the early stuff. I feel like he was really... Hunt for the Wilder People, I thought was good. Yeah, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, but I think since then... I mean, it's since much, Thor I do like, Ragnarok, I yes, think. I, I do like Thor Ragnarok, but I think... But I think since then, I think like yeah, he got marvelized. Uh, yeah, and I just think he's he's getting lazy. Is the thing is I think he. This, I think he's this too busy. He got Lin Manuel, Manuel Miranda, where he's stretched completely thin. Yeah, he's doing the Star Wars thing. That come right. on, Let's, but this but Mexico win. It just it's fascinating because it's so desperate but so lazy at the same time. Like it's so eager to please, but so it's doing so little to earn the pleasing that it just like it's this awkward film to watch and michael fassbender i felt was pretty miscast uh in it doesn't seem like he's really able like he's a little too stony i think like i get that he's kind of supposed to be like this hard the chip guy that like gets endeared by it, but he, he never feels comfortable with the comedy and like watching that film and then watching the killer was like night and day like the killer is perfect for Michael Fassbender, he knocks it out of the park, but this movie was just a total whiff. I felt, and uh, you know, I mean, for as much as I'm able to kind of get into like the underdog spirit during like the final climactic game, uh, it just whiffs so much, and it's weirdly transphobic, <laughs> like at, at times. But uh, I don't want to really get into that. But um, yeah, just not a great film, uh, and probably it has to be his weakest film. I know people are harsher on. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder, but I think this this might be worse. Yeah, so you want about Love and Thunder. I thought that was pretty entertaining, at least uh, here and there. Um, but okay, May, December. May, oh. December, which, uh, you know, on Netflix now, you can watch it. Uh, this is the latest from Todd Haynes, the the wonderful mm-hmm. Todd Haynes, who, you know, his last thing was Vel- the Velvet Underground doc, yeah. which uh, I listened to a lot of Velvet Underground while I was sick. And uh, I, very famous for Carol. Um, one of his biggest sure. successes may December, which I saw a while back and um, I kind of adore this movie. It, it, yeah. I still think about it. Like it really haunts me. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this. Like there's, it's so hard to watch this movie and talk about it. It just because mm. it puts you through the ringer. There's been a lot of conversation around this movie or whether or not it's camp or melodrama, which I find that discussion very, I'm like, who cares? Like, I want to talk oh. about this movie. I, I think this movie is low-key kind of just brilliant for how brilliant it isn't. I, Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, Charles Melton, who just, what a performance. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie rules. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird film to say, like, it's awesome. <laughs> because, like, how... Yeah, kind of, I'll say uh, it anyway. Right, yeah. Because the subject matter of it, without getting into it, is... Uh, it's thorny. Great um, movie. Yeah, yeah. Great movie yeah. to watch fresh where you don't know the premise. Right. And I'm Absolutely. glad that I didn't. Yeah, because uh, I, it's uh, it premiered at Cannes, and I think people were pretty good about not overdoing the explanation of it. Yeah, I mean, as far as a camp melodrama conversation, like 
Todd Haynes deliberately kind of in the script too. Um, are obviously kind of heightening it to an extent as far as like it's a kind it, it's based on a sort of gaudy uh, pop culture event, uh, a fictional one, but inspired by a real story. Um, that you know because their lives became so heightened, so like sensationalized. The the film kind of mirrors that like kind of extravagance that comes from that, and the fact that uh, one of the main characters is like an actress and she sort of sees things in a sort of theatrical way, but it's not, can't like, it's not like a, um, like, I don't look at it in the same way, like, uh, as far as melodrama, like it's not like a Pedro Almozovar film. And it's not like a John Waters film. No. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really campy or melodramatic in those particular ways. It's, it's a lot more subdued than I think people are giving credit. And I think the reason people are throwing those definitions around is because they don't really want to sit with what this film is saying, I think I don't want to, well, I know. think part of it is people are trying to put it in a box. It's very right. unique. It has right. a very specific tone that Haynes himself hasn't employed that often. Right. And so it, it's hard to kind of put words to it and people just want to label things, which is fine. Right. We'll figure it out. But yeah. it's, it's not any one thing, which right. is part of the struggle with it. And I think that it, it's besides the point. <laughs> like I think rather than try to like figure out the perfect label, I just think that it is just a very, uh, as you said, subdued and kind of bonkers movie mm. and bonkers drama. I, I definitely more melodrama than anything else with it. Yeah. One of my favorite Natalie Portman performances mm-hmm. easily since black Swan. Yeah. Um, and overall, I, I think this is just, this is Portman at her best. I mean, this is Portman who I think she's always at her best when she lets herself be unlikable because I think she enjoys it. Yeah. Um, you know, which I, movie uh, uh-huh. she gets to be unlikable in. That's really good that you don't like mm. Fox Lux. Whatever. <laughs> it's their best performance in Fox Lux. I'm going to say she goes, right here she right goes beyond unlikable in that one. And that one's more, she's insufferable, but Great. this one, she's not this one. I think that she is unlikable in a very fascinating and kind of like relatable slash unrelatable way. Julianne Moore, who just like such an unsettling performance, but in a good way, because you just you're trying to get in the head of somebody that you should not get in their head and i think that's such a theme of like the current times of like us trying to understand people who do terrible things and like the fascination with it like what this movie says about true crime especially and like the glamorization the hollywoodization of it is i think just a great great subject matter um and charles melton who i think is just it's a burning performance like i i yeah. still like randomly like his performance pops up in my head of like this man, this tortured man. I, I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't have enough good things to say about this one. It, it's, it's truly a great film. And, and look at that in May number 14 on in between drafts, best 37 movies of 2023. Yasmin Kleinbart wrote the, uh, wrote the blurb for it. And uh, I don't want to say anything cause uh, she kind of gets into detail of what the premise is. And then, and I'd rather yeah. leave it blank for folks who haven't seen this yet. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, such a sort of simplistic, uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, uh, a simplistic sort of layered quality to the film. Like it, it seems simple on the surface, but the more you uncrack it, it just gets more enriched and and deep and kind of profound. And for you know, like the films that we've gotten in you know the Me Too or post Me Too era that have sort of tried to tackle similar things like Bombshell and and I haven't seen it, but I know like she said also came out, which serve a purpose, but they feel maybe a little bit more like self-congratulatory about what they're doing. This movie feels like it's tackling it in a way that doesn't sacrifice the entertainment value, but it really 
approaches it in a way that's thoughtful and complex and like I said, thorny and, you know, deep and, and, and troubled and heartbreaking, but like really just gets into it in a way that, that feels very human, but also recognizes the sort of bombast of it all uh, uh, to use a word I've used already. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's such a deep and uh, worthwhile film for people to watch. And I, I mean, for all the sensationalism that people have kind of, uh, you know, lingered on, I, I think there's a really a lot it says about the the humanity of the characters that I think should be uh, discussed more. Uh, and, and hopefully people will do that when they see the film. So if they haven't already, uh, yeah. so they should, uh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's on Netflix now. Check it out. Uh, you have, you have no excuse. Next up, Saltburn. Fun one to go to right after me, December. Uh, this this well, is the movie I think we wanted to do after Wish. One of the ones we wanted to do after Wish, but it didn't work out. And, I, and I'm bummed because I think this is one that we could easily spend a solid 30, 40 minutes on. Uh, we will not. Uh, I but, mean, uh, yeah. would we? I, don't, I, I really so. don't. I, I don't know. I really don't feel like I have that much to say about it. That's surprising to me. Like This to me, movie's a lot. Is it, though? I get what you're saying. Uh, in 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 one sense, no. Uh, this is Emerald Fennel, um, director of Promising Young Woman, which, and I think Emerald Fennel also a promising young director. Uh, just in the uh, sense that yeah. you know her work with Promising Young Woman got her a lot of buzz, a lot of acclaim, and uh, I think that you know her her TV show, uh, what was it called? I'm blanking. Killing Eve. Killing Eve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, really widely celebrated. I think you know Fennel. Is, is just somebody who, you know, one of the ones to watch and everything. We both had issues with Promising Young Women, uh, Promising Young Woman, excuse me. And I think, like, our issues with that movie, we, we were talking about this with Mike Overholz, our co-host on Mad Men Men. He loved this movie. Um, I don't know if I should say loved or just really, really liked it. Uh, but he's he was a much bigger fan than us. And mm-hmm. you and I kind of united in, in stunning fashion. This doesn't happen often. Uh, we don't usually agree when Mike disagrees. But uh, we both united against him on this one. And big thing from both of us was just the ending doesn't really work. And that it just shows, I think... Fennel has an issue with ending her movies, and I think that she's not great at twists um, at yeah. all. Uh, I think that it, it's one of those things where I I would have talked 30, 40 minutes about it because, A, I want to talk about Barry Keegan and Jacob Elordi a lot. And also, I think that like unpacking what went wrong with this movie, I think, is fascinating because – Look at it on paper, and and you bullet point this thing. This is a John and Will movie. This is a John and Will movie for the ages. Barry Keegan, check. You know the kind of movie that just kind of like allows itself to kind of go for it uh, in so many different ways. I mean, some of the things that we could point out here that happen. It's not poor things, but it definitely is like approximating a a vibe that I want at, at the movie theater, which is. You know, don't you, if you're going to gross me out, do it in a way that that has me kind of, uh, I don't know, grossing me out in like multiple layers, like not just in like one sort of like, oh, yeah, visually, that's gross, but other other sort of aspects to it. But you don't you don't think we would talk about this for 30, 40? Uh, I don't know. I mean, for me, like the big thing about it is just I think uh, this is what happened at the end of Promising on Woman. I think this is what happens throughout saltburners i think fennel is kind of conflicted between this desire to tell uh you know like a socially conscious but poignant sort of story 
with like some dark comedy and and heavy themes and then she also has a sort of sensationalist like desire to kind of twist the narrative and like do something provocative and shocking and transgressive and uh i think the end of promise young woman i don't want to spoil it but like i think it makes a decision that goes against what was really working with the first two thirds of the film. Uh, and with this movie, I just feel like they keep undermining what's supposed to be the sort of twisty story by having very keen and do these things that just sort of reveal the character prematurely. And so like, it just doesn't, I don't know. It just like, feels like you're just already aware of like, what's going to happen because it doesn't feel like, it's a mystery because we got to know this character pretty well. Yeah. It tries uh, to have a usual suspects moment and we're right. just like, well, you didn't earn that like, right. at all. Um, and, and it's just like, look at these reveals. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like you, I thought it was obvious on purpose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, this it movie, just, it, you know, if promising young woman is a response to like the me too movement, uh, this movie feels like a response to parasites and class warfare and things like that. Uh, but yeah. in similar ways, I just think that it's, it just isn't up to snuff. Like it, it just doesn't have the same, like it has some bite, I guess, but it feels like it's, it's biting at the air. I don't know. I just don't think Fennel is the right filmmaker for this type of film. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But like, I mean, it's for as much as I can appreciate a film, you know, going for it, uh, as it were, uh, I just don't feel like it really earns those moments because uh, like they just feel empty to me. Like, you know, like it, nothing really in the film like shocked me in the way that I think it was intending to. It just kind of was just like, okay, I don't know. It just feels like, like a needy film. Like it feels like it's like poking me with a stick and being like, uh, be provoked, uh, be provoked. Did you see uh, that? Did you see yeah. that? But yeah, I do yeah. really like, um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Jacob, uh, Jacob Lordy. Lordy, who I think is really good in this, and I think he's really good in uh, Elvis, or sorry, uh, uh, Priscilla. Priscilla, yeah. Um, this guy's yeah, going I, places. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think he, like, he has such a tricky role to do in Priscilla, and like, he's obviously kind of leaning into the Elvis mannerisms and stuff, but like, capturing the humanity in this very, you know, like Sofia Coppola humanist, uh, you know, uh, grounded but also like soft and. Uh, and gentle sort of way. And I, I think he just really, and, and I think he is the character here in uh Saltburn that feels uh, the most dynamic because he's the one that actually feels like someone approaching an actual person. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, I don't know what happened with Rosamund Pike and Richard E. Grant in this. I well, was Rosamund waiting Pike, for something. Uh, I was waiting for the shoe to drop, but I was just like, they, that's all it is. I like Rosamund Pike in it because she's leaning into like, the, sur- the absurdity of it and she has like I, a really... I just feel like the mom from parasite was, or the mom wife from parasite well, it was... should be said that this is more uh talented mr ripley than parasite i think uh, let's say it's part uh, it's sure. neither but it, it's i think that it's approximating both in a very interesting way again this is why i think 30 40 minutes mm. easy we could have talked about this one. i mean that's we'll, really... we'll have to probably leave it at that i guess that's really all i have to say about it, though like yeah. i don't have much else I don't know. I haven't really thought about it much other than when people bring it up. Same here. Same here. So yeah, we're not, we're not the biggest salt burden fans, but I'm not going to say it's a terrible movie or anything. Just, I think more than anything is disappointing. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Leo on Netflix, uh, the lizard Adam Sandler movie. You got a sentence for that one? My sentence is I have not seen it. <laughs> Neither have I, but it did come out. Uh, Napoleon. 
Haven't seen Napoleon. Uh, that was the uh, one that we, I think we were thinking of maybe talking about instead of Wish. Like that was kind mm-hmm. of coming out around the same time, um, or it was being screened, and I missed my screening for it. I forget exactly why. I think I saw Marvels instead. I saw Marvels instead of that. Napoleon and Maestro. I think we're playing the same night. And uh, gotta say, I I still haven't seen Napoleon. Um, I think the bad, the negative reviews have kind of turned me away from it, but I, I am going to see it. I just don't know when I'm going to see it. It's, I believe it's on Apple TV Plus now, and I have the screener anyway, even if it isn't. And I, usually I'm right there with Ridley Scott. I, I'm right there with Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby, but I don't know. I'm not that interested in this movie anymore. I was like about two months ago, but now I'm a little bit like, yeah, yeah get to it when I get to it. Uh, you got anything for this one? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, the big thing, though, about it, uh, to me at least, is like I, I, I like its willingness to just show that Napoleon was this weird little goofy dude. Uh, who, he definitely was. Uh, you know, had this very odd relationship with his wife. Uh, we get to see, you know, him indulging in some outlandish, buffoonish behavior. You get to discover a famous dictator's uh, favorite sex position, you know, stuff like that is all fun in games. Uh, but to me, <laughs> but like, I heard the, well, the big complaint about this one coming into it where people were like, oh, it's too historically inaccurate, which I don't know what to make of that criticism because I'm like, it could go either way. It could be one of those things where it bothers me if I caught something. But a lot of the time, I don't really care that much as long as the movie's still good I, i'll watch history buffs later and they he'll tell me all about how it was wrong and then we can move on yeah i mean it, it's inaccurate about certain things like it's it's interesting as far as and i'm not a history major by any means so i uh, i'm not the one to to really dive into that but so you're major when it comes to history mm-hmm. um but i will say for me at least like even though it's directed competently and, and really scott does a really scott thing especially during the battle scenes like as you expect, the Waterloo fight, awesome, especially on the big screen. Yeah. Uh, I got, I watched it in IMAX or Does it stand up though to Kubrick? I mean, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like all these great filmmakers have tried to do this story, and like I don't know what the Kubrick version is, but it would have been something profound. I mean, one of the kind of war made, movies of all time. I mean, we probably already got to an extent with Barry Lyndon, but like, uh, you know, it would have been something really, you know, deep and and massive and huge. Uh, but I feel like with this movie, I just get the vibe that Ridley Scott made it because he's Ridley Scott and he should be making it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, I had this deep invested interest to explore the complicated story that is the life and death of uh, Napoleon. It just kind of felt like, yeah, I mean, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm I'm Ridley Scott. It's expected I would just do a film like this. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you know, solid pretty good like a solid like three out of five kind of film like i enjoyed it i i was glad i saw it have not really you know similar to saltburn really thought about it all that much uh it, it's it's a very pretty good film uh and joaquin does good job you know has fun does his thing uh doesn't stand out as one of his best or you know most lasting performances but uh yeah 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 I think uh, for the Oscars at most, it it might get stuff for technicals. And uh, I think for Critics' Choice, it got one or two in that respect. Uh, And I think this is the kind of year where that benefits this kind of movie because we didn't get a lot of movies with huge technicals. But I mean, Oppenheimer is going to kind of sweep in those respects. So it's not like it'll it would win anything. But, you know, Uh, 
Yeah, that and like Killers of Fire Moon, I think. Killers of yeah. Fire Moon, for sure. I mean, Barbie will probably be the biggest contender for production design, things like that. So yeah, it, it's out there. Uh, Napoleon, you can watch it. Uh, next up, we have Good Burger 2 on uh, Paramount+. Plus. I'm a uh, dude, you're a dude, we're all dudes. Well, Ashton, did you see this? I did. I didn't expect us to talk about it, but... Uh, <laughs> you, look, uh, you, you, like, stood up straight in your chair, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. Um, uh, I heard this movie is terrible, but worth watching if you want to watch a bad movie, and you like how bad the first one is, and it, it's one of those things. Um, yeah, I've, I've talked about it a decent bit with our friend Corey Woodruff, who is a massive fan of the original and, and enjoyed this one. Uh, I'm of the opinion that... Uh, I mean, I like the... The first Good Burger. I rewatched it before this new one. I'm surprised that you and Matt Serafini didn't do a bonus episode for this one. Uh, maybe if my computer late. was more agreeable. Um, yeah, I, I uh, thought, you know, like that first one, it still holds up. It's so just charming. You know, like that first movie, it really is just Cal Mitchell's performance. Like, uh, he really just captures that that beautiful simplicity of of ed in a way that you know could have very easily have been uh you know a grading or even potentially offensive performance but uh i think he just gives a such sweet humanity in the original film and this one obviously this whole project's kind of a cash grab but the first half of it it is kind of inspired in certain beats uh you know i i got at least three like genuine good laughs out of that first half of the film that's uh, the most surprising thing I've heard yet on this uh, entire thing. Yeah, there's like there's one joke uh, involving um, uh, like a cameo, like a character from the previous film uh, explaining like where he's been uh, and and how he gets into this film that is really funny. Uh, but once you kind of actually get into like the plot of it in the second half, it's terrible. Like it's really bad wow. in the second half, uh, and like all the obvious grading, like callbacky, like you know, just generic sort of ways. Uh, and, you know, for as much as it is a joy to see Kel Mitchell again, because he hasn't really done much uh, since the, the original Good Burger movie. And as nice as to see Kel and Keenan, Keenan and Kel back together again, uh, their chemistry isn't enough to really salvage a fairly ho-hum, unnecessary sequel. So, yeah. We're Good almost, Burger 2. We're yeah. almost out of time. Uh, I propose we do a part two. And uh, we finish up with a couple more and then. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't want, you know, we haven't even gotten to December yet. And I think that there are, uh, there are some from December that I, I want to spend more time on. But we uh, can, uh, we can, we can, we can do a part two. Why not? Yeah. Let's do one, technology. Let's just do one real quick. Like something that, you know, you know, or I, or you, something that you can just do real quick and just get out. And we'll, well I still have, well, I do have one more from November. Um, okay. And that is one that I just watched. Maestro. Uh, Maestro hit okay. theaters technically in november expanded way more in in december so more people have seen it it's on netflix now uh, maestro which my understanding is and you can correct me if i'm getting this wrong is the oscar villain this year this is bradley cooper's big like give me an oscar already hmm. um kind of thing and people are kind of looking at it in that through that lens and being like it's not that great um bradley cooper needs to go back to making fun movies yada yada uh he plays leonard bernstein this is the leonard bernstein movie that people have been wanting for a long time fascinating career fascinating composer fascinating life and uh this is his bradley cooper directed this and i think he cares more about getting a best director uh nomination and win than actors my guess based on what i know of this man he's not going to get it uh a star is born was the last one that he did and 
I think is much better than this movie. Um, my look, I don't dislike this movie. I think it's fine. Um, I I think I'm with I'm with it kind of how you are with Napoleon. It entertained me in certain parts. Carrie Mulligan plays uh, Felicia Montenegro. Uh, I can't say her name. Felicia Montalegre Cohn Bernstein, um, who was the wife of Leonard Bernstein. And here, here's the thing: too long, not enough Matt Bomer and Maya Hawk, almost not enough Sarah Silverman. But I think we just get enough without it being uh. grating. Um, I, I think she overstays her welcome almost, but. I, I think directing wise, there are some great scenes in this. There is a scene toward the end um, with where he's showing him compose that is like jaw dropping, had me just like really just riveted by what was happening on screen. But a lot of this movie, I'm a bit like, okay, okay, we're moving on to the next scene. Oh, that's, that's not that surprising. Like I didn't know a ton about Leonard Bernstein. I knew more of the man's Wikipedia than I did of like his personal struggles and his relationships. I just this movie just strikes me as something that's been done better in terms of like other biopics. Like it, it tries to be flashy. I, I don't think it's not flashy. I'm not sure what the issue was here. 100. percent Uh, I like the movie. Um, I'm definitely a bigger fan of a star is born, which is like one of my favorite films of 2018. Uh, I, I think for me, uh, as you were sort of alluding to, or even saying, uh, I think this is a better showcase for Bradley Cooper, the director than Bradley Cooper, the actor, not to say anything bad about his performance. I think he's good, but it is very like Oscar. Like it's a big performance. And, you know, I think, I think he's a lot better and a lot more settled in the older segments than in the, like the black and white, like Much younger better. segments where he's like, golly gee, I'm better Bernstein. I'm, I'm gonna, young. Yeah. I'm just 30 something. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure. You are. Um, and Carrie Mulligan's good. I, I, I will push back. Uh, I think Sarah Silverman's actually kind of bad in this film, uh, but she's a pretty small part of it. And I think my Hawk is good. Uh, and Matt Boomer is uh, fine. I, I don't really have much of an opinion on his performance. Uh, but yeah, I think there's, especially in the second half, there's some really, just exceptional scenes in this film. And there's like a fight uh, involving a Thanksgiving day parade that is outstanding. I love one that. Of the best, yes. Yes. That's one of scene. the best uh, punchlines <laughs> I can think of uh, this year. Uh, yeah, it's very good. It's very good. I, I think there's really, I mean, without getting into like the uh, nitty gritty of the plot, I think really when you like see more of the like uh, complicated relationship uh, and then sort of emotional toll, of this marriage, I think it really shows like Riley Cooper's a really good director. And I think he has some really good stuff. I really want to see where he goes next. I think he sort of fancy himself like a modern day, like Warren Beatty kind of guy. Uh, and I, I think the reason he's become sort of the villain is that he's just extremely earnest and really just wants this award. But like that's Hollywood. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not down on the guy myself. Yeah. I think I mean, that sometimes people are a little bit like, you want something? Get out right. of here. It's like, yeah, I mean, well, he has a goal. Uh, I mean, you know. the, one of the biggest crimes you can be on the internet is earnest and is sincere. But there is <laughs> an importance to being earnest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think one of uh, Bernstein's uh, kids said it best where it's like they watched the film and they, I'm paraphrasing, but they said, I watched the film and I don't know if I really learned a lot about 
my family or my father. I feel like I learned a lot about Bradley Cooper. And I think that's the <laughs> that's like, perfect. Yeah, that's right. exactly how I feel. I, I, and right. then, yeah, yeah, and, and I, I'm with you where I think the second half is better. Because um, honestly, like I was getting to the point in the first half where I was like, "This is," you know, I I'm getting to the point where I think that it's going to be hard for me to finish this. But no, I mean, by the time we get to like the last like 50 minutes. I just wish it didn't take so long to get there. I think my fundamental issue with this movie is I don't feel the passage of time. I feel like it's a series of vignettes that are sure a little bit poorly constructed. I, and I think, yeah, it, it just, it gets better as it goes. And then, so that's a nice thing to say about it. I mean, I do like that it skews the sort of conventional, like Wikipedia-ness of most biopics where it's like, and then this happens and this happens and they meet this guy and West Side Story is a thing. It kind of it goes for more sort of I do appreciate that. Yeah, uh, you know, artful approach, uh, like you said, a little uh, asynchronistic stylistically. But and some of the uh, editing choices like early on, I did appreciate they got me through it. Uh, you know, just like little things but, of like, you know, he was like, you know what? Uh, last night in Soho I had some good ideas. Like, let's go from there. I think the trouble, at least for me, is that as you're kind of alluding to, I don't think this, the life story of Leonard Bernstein is like as well known to kind of maybe earn that approach. Like in a way that like, if this was like, I don't know, the life story of Abraham Lincoln or something, and it's like, mm-hmm. everyone knows like the, the main bullet points here. So you can, you can do something a little bit different or whatever. I think maybe Bernst, Bernstein doesn't really have the, the luxury of that kind of life story is because uh, at least for people like me and maybe you, uh, you know, he's maybe a little bit more of an anomaly outside of his career. Uh, but yeah, I, I still think it works. Like, I, I feel like I get the broad strokes, but even if I don't know everything, like I don't walk away like, uh, uh, one of his kids saying like having a full understanding of, of his life and his objective. I think hundred percent Bradley Cooper made the film he wanted to make. And I think he pulls it off. And I think, uh, it's really fascinating uh, what he's saying, uh, especially if this is uh, a fairly autobiographical film, which I have no idea if it is or not. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth exploring. I, I think as far as Oscar villains go, I mean, I don't know if it deserves any Oscars per se, but like, I, I really do want to see Bradley Cooper direct more because I think he's really outstanding and really confident. Uh, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's confident and he takes the right risks. You know, yeah. it's one thing for a filmmaker to be bold and to try things that are a bit risky. It's another thing when they have like the good discernment to be like, you know, in this sense, I'm going to be a little bit more traditional, a little bit more conventional, but we can do this. Like, you mm-hmm. know, let's go for this kind of thing. And I think he has a good, he just has a really good sense for the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's coming. I think his recognition is coming. I don't think it's this. This is a good stepping stone, but you know, I, yeah, I, I'm with, I think the way I feel about this movie is kind of how you feel about Napoleon, right. where, I want to like it a lot more, but they're just, and I, I certainly appreciate certain things about it, but it just, it didn't, it didn't win me over completely. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little, little bit of a bummer for me. Critics choice has it for a lot of noms. And so it might get some recognition there. Um, critics do, so, so I shouldn't say critics by and large like it, but I think that it's, it's got love from the critic circles. I, I will say that like, I think I was warmer on it when I watched it as opposed to like when I think back on it. Like in the moment, I felt like I was really like swept into it, and I saw it in theaters, so like I just kind of, you know, got the whole thing. And like coming out of the theater, I was like, "Whoa!" Like, what a movie, you know. But like afterwards, I've kind of been like, "Yeah, you know, I'm a little softer on it." Like, yeah, it's it's got its problems. Like, obviously, it's it's flawed, but uh, I like it. I, I still think it's a good film, uh, even if it's not like 
I don't know. I don't know if it'll be like in my end of the year uh, honorable mentions or anything, but uh, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's a good film. I don't think it's crowd pleasing enough, probably for extra Oscar attention. But yeah, I, I certainly appreciate it. And so that's a good place to end it there. Um, for part two, I mean, we have plenty more to get to. I mean, we have, you know, just as a little bit of a teaser, we have things like Poor Things, we have Wonka, Godzilla Minus One. This might be good because there are a couple of these movies I still haven't even seen. Uh, maybe we can get to them. Uh, Boy and the Heron, I hope I think we can talk about American Fiction and uh, Iron Claw. Yeah, yeah. This is, but this is a good place to kind of pause. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there you go. Uh, but this was fun. Yeah. I feel like this was productive. Yeah. Uh, I, I had more fun than I expected, Aww. which is, I was already expecting to have a good bit of fun. So there we go. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, we'll, we'll try to do this one a little bit uh, quick, uh, this next mm-hmm. one. And because we do have other stuff to get to in January. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Happy to be back. Uh, from the internet, California, I'm John Negroni. And from the internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Lash. See you next time. Bye.